Good morning. Good morning. Appreciate that song. Carl's one of my favorite songs. I love it as well with my soul. Love the backstory. Love all of that. Uh, love everything about it. And I also wanted to say thank you to y'all for sending me a really nice card. And Iris and Logan, also my daughter and son-in-law, said that they, they got a card from you and they are appreciative of that, so thank y'all. Good crowd, good uh, good number of people here for it being so cold and so early, right? We lost an hour of sleep, uh, which is a little bit rough. Uh, today, uh, I do encourage you to stay for the meeting afterwards. I don't think it will be terribly long, but I think it will be important, and uh, we very enthusiastically want to share some some things with you. And I believe very much that enthusiasm is contagious. If we can get enthusiastic about the Lord's work, uh, that the Lord's work will multiply. I want everybody to to stick around for that. And uh, my sermon is a little bit different than any sermon I've ever written or preached before. Uh, So I'm a little nervous about giving it to you. Part of the reason I'm nervous is that it is... uh, Part of it is personally embarrassing to me, so that will make you probably pay attention, and I, I don't think you'll have uh, too much trouble figuring out the part that's a little bit personal, personally embarrassing to me, uh, but I want to talk to you today about high points, and when I'm talking about high points, I'm really talking about mountains. I'm talking about literal high points, and we look throughout the Bible, and we see so many examples uh, of God's people going up into mountains, oftentimes to have spiritual experiences. I mean, just really quickly thinking about some, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, right? When God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he goes up to Mount Moriah. Later, the temple is built on Mount Moriah on the Temple Mount, right? Uh, so we see mountains there. Moses gets the call from the burning bush on a mountain, right? And he comes to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And he goes up into the mountain, and he's there for 40 days. Caleb says, give me this mountain, right? Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray. We see also he preaches the sermon on the mount, right? And he goes up to the mountain of transfiguration. When he goes to the transfiguration, he takes uh, some of his apostles up there, and he's up on a mountain. Personally, uh, I want to talk to you about some experiences that we have had uh, on mountains. And we do something that's called high-pointing in our family. High pointing is where you go to the highest point of a given area. For us, it's the highest point of states. We want to go to the highest point of every state uh, in the country. Or if they are too tall, like in Alaska, that one is a little bit uh, too challenging for us. Then our rule is that we just have to go and visit it. So we haven't been to Alaska yet, but we won't have to make it to the high point of Alaska. We just have to make it to Alaska and see uh, Denali, and see that mountain. We don't have to make it to the high point for it to count. Uh, So we cheat just a little bit. 
but some people go to the high points of counties, so they try to go to, say, the highest point of every county in Tennessee or Georgia. Uh, That's very challenging. And the idea is that it's just kind of a challenge and adventure. It gets you out and about. It gets you doing things. We feel like it's a good way to see America and to have some uh, experiences. And we came across this concept a few years ago when we took a couple's retreat. Uh, just Christy and I, we went up to, uh, to see the Biltmore. Uh, you guys, any of you seen the Biltmore? You've gone up there and toured that, right? Uh, it's a big house, right? Really neat, very nice. Uh, after we toured the Biltmore, we were like, well, what else is there to do around here? So I, I looked on Google and I found that Mount Mitchell is not too far away from there, and it is the highest point in North Carolina. And in fact, it is the highest point east of the Mississippi. I said, well, now that's on my bucket list. I didn't even know about it, didn't even think about it before, but we need to do that. We need to go up to Mount Mitchell. And we looked it up, and it said, you can just drive to the top. It's really easy. You don't have to. It's not a big hike or anything like that. Uh, the drive was actually a little bit challenging. It's narrow roads, very mountainous, of course, and uh, and a little bit challenging there. But in terms of, of climbing it, it's not that challenging. And we had so much fun doing that that the very next day, which also happened to be April 1st, April Fool's Day, appropriately, uh, we went to a second one. We went to Klingman's Dome, the highest point in Tennessee, right? Uh, so we did those two really quickly. We very quickly got two of the highest points. And what I want to talk to you about today are four lessons that I have learned from high pointing, from going to high points, uh, and spiritual lessons that I've, I've tried to pull uh, from that experience. And before I show you these pictures, before I, I go down this road, I will say that I got permission from my wife to show you these pictures. So, so don't think I'm going to get in too much trouble. Uh, I don't know if she's actually seen the pictures, but I, I did get permission to show them uh, to you. <laughs> the first lesson that I want to uh, learn, and notice they're pictures of her and not a, of me. Uh, the first lesson that I learned, and we learned it fairly quickly, is that you can be pretty unprepared. Uh, <laughs> There are some lessons we learned right away. And Proverbs 23.3 says that the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. (laughs) Now, uh, Christy is very sensitive to oxygen levels, right? So even at at, at this high point, at at 6,600 feet, she was already feeling some of the effects of, of oxygen. Uh, we come from low-lying areas, right? Georgia, Alabama, uh, Kansas is where we're originally from. And we don't have mountains. There's not a lot of mountains in Kansas. Uh, and so even at 6,600 feet, she was starting to feel that. Uh, but we were really, really, really unprepared for something else. And that is that we did not pack any real coats. Uh, and this was the end of March. It was jacket weather at the base of, of Mount Mitchell. But we learned very quickly something that is evidently common sense and that lots of people already knew, uh, but we just didn't think about it. And that is, as you go higher, it gets colder, right? Significantly colder 
at the top of Mount Mitchell, it was in, I think, the 30s that day. It was much colder than when we got into the car and drove up there. Uh, and so we jumped out. We got these pictures with, uh, with the sign that proves that we made it to the highest point in North Carolina. Uh, and then we went on. And like I said, the very next day we went to Klingman's Dome, we didn't learn from that lesson. We were the simple that, that was suffering for it. Uh, for the record, that's my jacket that she's got on there. Uh, I was much colder than she was because she had my jacket. I was trying to be a gentleman. But 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about studying to show yourself approved. Another translation says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. This is the spiritual application I want to make to this, is that a lot of times when people will say, you know, I don't want to do uh, a Bible studies. Bible studies make me nervous. I have, I have high anxiety when we're talking about Bible studies. The real reason, one of those fears is you're just not prepared to do it, right? I know that's a fear because that used to be my fear. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to do Bible studies is I was not prepared. Right? And this lesson is really one that I learned on this mountain is that you can be unprepared and you'll suffer for it, right? But we should be prepared. That's not a valid excuse for not studying the Bible with somebody. And I'll, I'll say this. There are ways around it, too. There are ways to say, well, let's... You're afraid you're going to be asked a question that you don't know the answer to. Okay, well, let's write that question down. Let's come back to it. Give yourself time to, to find the answer. Some people are afraid their faith is going to be challenged because they haven't studied to show themselves approved. They've, they've accepted it and they've gone forward, but they haven't really been challenged, and, and they're afraid that they're going to be challenged and their faith is going to be shaken. We need to study the Word of God and be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is inside of us. That's a commandment, right? We are to be able to defend that. You're not doesn't mean you have to have an answer for everything that might come up. Because there's a lot of crazy things that might come up, right? But you have to be able to give an answer for the hope that is within us. If you are saved, if you have obeyed the gospel, you should be able to tell someone how you did that. And you should be able to do that through the word. Uh, my secretary, Deborah Rice, who passed away recently, uh, she just taught me a very valuable lesson once. And that is somebody, I don't, it wasn't me, but somebody preached a sermon very similar to that and said, you know, you've got to be able to give an answer for the hope that's within you. You should be able to give book, chapter, and verse for the plan of salvation. She realized that while she knew the plan of salvation and she had obeyed it, she couldn't really tell anybody exactly where those verses are in the Bible. She asked me to write them down for her, and she would memorize them. And she asked me all the time to quiz her on them uh, as, as we were at work together. Uh, that's admirable. She, she took steps to try to correct that so that she would be able to tell somebody how to obey the gospel. And I think it's important for us to do things like that, to encourage one another and to build each other up to study, to show ourselves approved. And so that is the first lesson I learned that you can be unprepared and we need to be more prepared. Uh, a second lesson that I learned is that the view is not always what you expected it to be. 
when we got up to the top of Mount Mitchell, uh, it was really beautiful on the way up, by the way. There were some beautiful scenic overlooks. But when we got to the top, there's this sign that you see here that shows you all the mountains that you're able to see from the top. But look up just a little bit. What do you see? I mean, if you're lucky, you know, you see uh, a couple of trees right here. (laughs) Everything else was fog. It was not a good view, right? That is not the view that we expected to get. In our spiritual life, that's how it is oftentimes. Look at those verses, if you can read them there in Acts 10, uh, verses 13 through 17. 13 through 16 are on the screen where it says, And there came a voice to him, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is unclean or common. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. God has to give Peter this vision three times, right? And does he get it even then? He doesn't. In the very next verse, it says that he was perplexed about it. It says, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, right? He is confused about this vision. He says, I've never eaten anything that God called unclean. Now he's saying, take and eat. I'm confused. I'm perplexed. I've got anxiety about this. What did the vision mean? Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. God was answering what the vision meant, as he was having anxiety, as he was having inward perplexity about it, right? He's confused. The vision was not what he expected. He did not have the view that he expected. This isn't the first time that happened to Peter or the other apostles. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we remember, they were continually waiting for him to establish his earthly kingdom, to to shed the shackles of Rome and establish a kingdom that would last forever here on earth and reestablish Israel as a power. That's what they were looking for. Even after his death, even after his resurrection, even in Acts 1, at the ascension, they're saying, oh, now are you going to establish your kingdom? They still didn't get it, right? They were still confused. The view was not what they expected. As he ascends to heaven... They're really confused. And the angel says, why are you staring off into space, right? Why are you staring off into the the distance? Just like you saw him go into the clouds, he'll return again, right? But the view was not what they expected. You think about uh, 2 Kings, when Naaman, Naaman, who had leprosy, right? He comes to... Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out and see him, sends a servant to talk to him. And he's like, well, I've brought all these gifts and everything. I want to be healed of my leprosy. And they said, well, we don't want any of that, but go wash in the, the Jordan, and you'll be healed. So wash in the Jordan. I've got better rivers back home. I didn't have to come here and be told to go wash in the Jordan, Right? But his servant says, if he had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. Why don't you just go do what he tells you to do? And he does, and he's cured of his leprosy. But the view was not what 
he expected. Sometimes things don't go as we expect them to go, but God has reasons for it. So that's the second lesson. Even though Peter was not prepared for that view and was perplexed about it, God had the answer right there at the gate. We need to be open to God's answers when we don't think things are going the way that they should go, right? So that's the second lesson. This third lesson that I learned from high pointing uh, is probably my favorite. And you'll see why in just a moment. But the third high point that I want to talk to you about is the Florida high point. Florida's high point is not what you would consider to be a challenging mountain. It is the lowest high point in the 50 states. And in fact, it is much lower than we are right here, right? It is 300, I think it's 345 feet. That's how tall the highest point in Florida is. Florida's low, right? The ocean rises too much and it won't be Florida anymore, right? Uh, And... The lesson that you can learn from going to the high point of Florida, you might say, why would you even go to the high point? There's no challenge to that. Well, you're trying to see America. You're trying to visit all the high points. But the lesson that I learned from it is that there are high points for all skill levels. (laughs) So you knew I was going to put a picture of my grandson up there sooner or later, right? There he is at his first high point. I think he's only like six or seven weeks old, something like that. Yet he made it to the high point of Florida, right? Now, the lesson from that, the spiritual lesson, I take it from Ecclesiastes 11.6. It says, in the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good, Right? You think about that. That's what we do when we send out house to house. We spread seed. We are sowing seed. We don't know which houses are the good soil, so we spread lots of seed. And when you do that, surprising things happen. Like if we knew where just the good soil was, we would just send to the good soil, right? But we send all over hoping to find that good soil the good heart that's ready for the gospel. And I could stand up here for a long time. I won't. I'm just going to tell you one story. But there are some shocking stories about people finding the gospel. And my favorite one is there was a lady who was cleaning houses. And she was cleaning uh, this, this person's house. And she was taking out the trash. And in the top of the trash can... Well, it was a copy of House to House. And it had the church name on there, on the front and the back. And she pulled it out of the trash, and that Sunday she walked to that church and asked them about what she had read in House to House. And they said, you don't have to walk, we'll give you a ride from now on. And over time, they developed a relationship with her. Over time, they got her into a Bible study. They taught her the truth, and she obeyed the gospel. We weren't even sending house to house to her house. She found it in the trash can that somebody else had thrown away that opportunity to see the gospel. 
and she was eventually saved. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of thing that happens when you sow seed. The other aspect of this that I really want to bring home is that when we talk about doing evangelism, there's always people who say things like, well, if you're going to go door knocking, that's just an example, door knocking, right? Where you say, well, I can't go door knocking. And there could be a lot of reasons for that. You can, you can cite health. You can cite anxiety of, of talking to strangers. You can, you can be scared in that situation. Those are valid reasons. That's, that's fair. There could be reasons that you can't go door knocking. But even with that work, you think about all the things that are involved in putting that together, right? Somebody has to get the addresses and organize them. Somebody has to make the cards. Somebody has to get the materials together. Somebody has to provide food and drinks for the workers that are going to go out and do that. I volunteer Sister Jane to make sausage balls if, if we do that because they are very good. But, uh, but nevertheless, I, I'm just, that's a side note, but I know Jeff supports me in this as well. Uh, but somebody has to do that. Somebody has to wait back at the building so that when people come to check in and put their statistics down and turn in any prayer requests, any contacts that have been made, any follow-up, somebody has to organize those things. Somebody has to contact the people and let them know, we're praying for you, we want to invite you to back to church, come to worship service with us, come worship, is there anything we can do, can we give you a ride? Somebody has to write them cards. In other words, there is something that you can do, and people will say, well, that's not very important, those things aren't as important. You don't know which thing is going to be the thing that triggers that open heart and that good soil. There is work that everyone can do. There are high points for everyone, and you don't know which one is going to be successful. And so we put as much seed out there and we cultivate the ground as much as we can because we want to reach people with the gospel. Well, we have been to a lot of high points at this point. Uh, Christy and I and my family, we weren't all at all of them, but we have been to and reached the top of 10 different high points. Okay, but I promised you that uh, I'd talk about something personally embarrassing. So, here it comes. Uh, I went to the high point of Colorado. You'll notice that it is not in dark blue. You can guess why that might be, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Colorado is known for what? Pikes Peak. Yeah, well, Pikes Peak, but just mountains in general, right? They've got mountains. And the tallest mountain, the tallest peak, um, there are a whole bunch of them that are over 14,000 feet. Pikes Peak is, is one of them. They call them 14ers. And some people try to make it to the top of all the, the 14ers. Uh, there's something like 45 of them. Or you can look it up. But there's a lot of 14,000-foot peaks in Colorado. But the biggest, the tallest, is Mount Elbert. It is a real mountain. Like, it is, it is not a joke. Uh, it is not what they call a technical climb. In other words, you're not going to have to have ropes and crampons and all the gear. You're not going to have to have a partner. You're not going to have to, you know, scale a wall. 
But let me tell you, it's a ten and a half mile hike. It's all uphill. It's ten and a half back down, all downhill and rocky terrain. Uh, remember that getting cold as you went up to 6,600 feet? Let me tell you, if you start at 60 degrees down at the base of Mount Elbert, by the time you get up to 14,433 feet, it's cold. There's, there's 50 to 70 mile per hour winds. It can be a summer day down at the base, and it can be sleeting and snowing at the top. Uh, so... And for me, coming from Alabama at the time, but Alabama, Georgia, you know, you're lucky to get up to 2,000 feet. You're not used to 14,000 foot air. There's not a lot of oxygen there. Uh, I did not make it to the top of Mount Elbert. And let me tell you, I tried my best. I gave it my best effort. I went by myself. Uh, I, I tried to solo it. I spent the night there at the base. I got up early in the morning. You don't want to be caught on that mountain in the afternoons because thunderstorms come in, and if you're above the tree line, you're the tallest thing. So lightning is going to hit you. So you don't want to be caught on the mountain if there's a thunderstorm. Uh, and I, I tried my absolute best to make it. Now, I tell people that the main reason I didn't make it is because I had had surgery a couple of weeks before. And that's true. I'd had a heart cath, and they go in through your leg, you know. And the doctor had cleared me. He said I should be okay on the mountain, but that if, you know, you don't want it to tear out your artery and, and bleed, right? You don't want to be caught on the mountain bleeding. And while I was climbing, I did feel a pull in my leg, and I was concerned that I would die on the mountain. So I, I decided to turn around and, and come back down. But that's not the real reason I didn't make it. The real reason I didn't make it is because I made say, some bad decisions. I did. I made a lot of them. Uh, poor decisions. I made a, first of all, there was some pride involved, uh, as you might expect. I, I made a poor decision about the campsite. Uh, I did not go, so I didn't get a good night's sleep ahead of time. Uh, I did not acclimate correctly to the to the air so I just tried to go there I spent the night there and then I tried to climb it without acclimating uh, but the biggest mistake I made is what I chose to carry with me uh, I carried a lot of stuff with me I really thought okay I've never tried to climb a mountain like that I want to be overly prepared I don't want to be caught unprepared uh, I don't know if you can see it but this right here that's the giant backpack that I carried with me. The backpack weighed more than I should have been carrying with me. Uh, and then on top of that, I I'm like, I want to, well, there might be bears and mountain lions. I want to bring some protection for that. That was heavy. Uh, I, I'm not acclimated, so I need to bring some oxygen. So that was, that was part of it. Uh, I, well, you know, you might, I'm starting out when it's dark, so I need a headlamp, and I, I might need two. What if one goes out? I'll be caught in out in the dark. And then what if the batteries go out of that? I might need some extra batteries, right? And it's a ten and a half mile hike up, ten and a half down. That's a long way. I might get hungry. I need some food. But the really big killer was the water. You know what water weighs? Eight pounds a gallon. And I figured I might need a couple gallons. So I took two gallons of water with me. That's 16 pounds. 
I think I had that pack loaded down, and it weighed about 65 or 70 pounds. Uh, I realized my mistake fairly early, but I had already been hiking about two hours when some kids who were, I also had changes of clothes and all kinds of, you know, I was not real smart. Uh, some kids from a mountaineering club, now they're in Colorado, they're already acclimated, they cheated, but they're wearing like sweats and a t-shirt and they ran past me on the trail. And then a couple hours later, they ran back past me on their way down. They had already made the top, and they were already coming back down. I realized at that point, when people who had passed me earlier were now coming back down, I knew I was in trouble. Um, But the, the fact is that I was overburdened. I made some some real mistakes in trying to climb. Mount Elbert. And that's, that's a valuable lesson when we think about burdens uh, that we carry, right? So I did make it pretty far. I'm proud of that. I made it up. Uh, when, I, when I decided to turn around, I was at 12,996 feet. And I said, okay, I can walk a few more steps and I'll get over 13,000 feet. I'll at least tell people I climbed over 13,000. So I made it to 13,004 feet out of the 14,433. That's not real close to the top of Mount Elbert. But I did make it pretty high. And we think about 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting our burdens, you know, the translation there says anxieties, casting them on God, God can carry them. Now, it's not sinful to have anxiety. I have anxiety. I know others who have anxiety. It's not sinful to do that. But we shouldn't let it paralyze us. We shouldn't let take on so many burdens that it can be oppressive. And I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency to take on more than I can bear. And God says to cast our burdens on him. And we, we think about that. He's able to bear it. He can build us up. He knows what's around the corner. So if, if you are overburdened today, God is expressing that he's able to help with that burden. And we think about all those in the Bible who took on more than they really could bear. Jesus is the one that comes to my mind. Jesus had the cross, which was more burden than he could bear. He fell under the physical weight of the cross, and someone had to help him carry that burden to Golgotha. God's like that. He can carry some of our burdens. He can help us. He can be there for us. It won't solve anxiety problems. You will still have anxiety It won't solve all of the problems that you're facing, but you can turn to God. You can pray to him, you can read about others, and you can turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ who will help you along the way. All of those things are there to support you and help you to not be overburdened so that you can reach that high point. Well, I only have one more that I'll put, and it's not really a lesson, it's really 
just a fun one that we did. The Kansas High Point is one of those like Florida. It's a little bit higher up. It's on a plateau. But you can't even really tell, tell that you're at the top of a, a mountain. It's Mount Sunflower. Uh, and and our, that's my favorite high point that I've ever been to. It's, it's really neat. They've got artwork and things there. Um, the people that own that land are very um, friendly, and, and they've added a lot of character to it. Uh, it's also in the middle of nowhere in western Kansas, uh, but it's, it's very neat. But I, I put that picture up there to encourage us and to say, look, you know, try to obtain high points in life. Don't be overburdened. Turn to God. Uh, no matter what your skill level is, there is work for you to do. There are high points that you can get to and obtain. The view is not always what you expected it to be, but be prepared with the word of God. And that's what I want to leave with you this morning. If, if you've never put on Christ in baptism, then you need to do that. You need to obey the gospel. We'd be happy to study with you. If you have done that, but you've quit trying to obtain high points, you've quit trying to push forward and to make yourself prepared to do the work that God would have you to do, or you've let sin come into your life, we would encourage you to make that right through confession and repentance. We will pray with you and for you. If any of that is the case for you today, make it right as we stand and as we sing.